Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. This is Know It All. Welcome to Know It All, the ABCs of Education. Many thanks again to D.C. high school student Trayvon for our wonderful theme music. I know he worked very, very hard on that, and we're so appreciative of his time. We aim to make you, our listeners, know-it-alls about education law, policy, and practice that affect you. Listen live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Eastern or at any time from your computer at blogtalkradio.com slash knowitall. Today's show is a featured show on the Blog Talk Radio website. Be sure to follow us at blogtalkradio.com. I am your host, Allison R. Brown of Allison Brown Consulting, ABC. I am a civil rights attorney with a focus on equity in public education. Keep up with me on my website at allisonbrownconsulting.com. Know It All is sponsored by The Root DC, part of the Washington Post family. The Root DC focuses on news for and about African Americans in the DC region. You can find episodes of Know It All and my blog posts after each show on my website and on the Root DC website at WashingtonPost.com slash local slash the Root DC. So today's show, we're talking about the school-to-prison pipeline. In Meridian, Mississippi, black students were more likely than whites to be suspended or expelled out of school or, worse, to be arrested by police in school. They would receive such consequences for things like wearing the wrong school uniform and talking back to their teachers. On Friday, March 22nd, the United States Department of Justice, Civil Rights Division, Educational Opportunity Section filed with the court a joint agreement between the Department of Justice, private plaintiffs, and the Meridian School District to end these disciplinary practices by the school district. The Educational Opportunity Section of the Civil Rights Division at DOJ is charged with enforcing those federal civil rights laws that prohibit all forms of discrimination in public schools. I am so honored to have with me today my former colleagues, Ryan Wilson and Zoe Savitsky, the two Department of Justice trial attorneys who who investigated community complaints about discriminatory student discipline. They litigated the case in court, and they negotiated the terms of the agreement with the district. The agreement is a consent order and is historic in its breadth and in what the school district has agreed to provide and in its context as a school desegregation case settlement. Good morning, Ryan and Zoe. Welcome. Good morning, Allison. Good morning, Allison. So, Zoe, will you start us off by explaining for the audience the origins of the Meridian, Mississippi school desegregation lawsuit? Of course, and thank you so much, Allison. Thank you for having us on the show this morning and, of course, for, for starting this journey off with us at DOJ. Of so course, first, as a, 
As a, as a quick introduction, as Allison mentioned, uh, Ryan and I are both trial attorneys in the Educational Opportunities Section of the Civil Rights Division. And our section enforces, among other statutes, Title IV of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, which prohibits discrimination in the public schools on the basis of race, color, national origin, sex, and religion. And second, as a, as a framework for our conversation this morning, I want to start by explaining that in any desegregation case, the Supreme Court has said that a school district operating under a desegregation order must take all steps necessary to eliminate the vestiges of the unconstitutional de jure system, meaning taking all steps to eliminate the former segregated school system. Eliminating racial discrimination in student discipline is, is one part of the process of eliminating the vestiges of segregation. This case, uh, Barnhart and United States versus Meridian Municipal Separate School District, is a school desegregation case that stems back to 1965. The lawsuit was filed by the NAACP Legal Defense Fund on behalf of black students in the school district who sought to dismantle the racially segregated, or what we call dual, school system. In June of 1965, the district court for the Southern District of Mississippi, where this case was brought, allowed the United States to intervene as a plaintiff, so the Department of Justice has been involved since that time. And then on November 7, 1969, the Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit issued an order which enjoined or stopped the district from continuing to operate segregated schools. That order has been amended a few times since the 1960s, and the consent decree we filed on March 22nd that Allison mentioned is the latest amendment to the existing orders in this case. Wonderful, Zoe. Thank you so much. Ryan, how does this case, the Meridian case, relate to the kinds of stories that we hear about the school-to-prison pipeline all over the country? Okay, okay Allison. Um, I, first of all, I just want to start, as, as Zoe said, uh, to again thank you for your work um, on this issue. Um, and I don't know if your your, your listeners know, and I, and I know that you um, wouldn't, uh, take credit for it, but really it was your work originally on this case that really um, brought it to the point that it is today and, and allowed us to really um, address these school-to-prison pipeline issues. Um, and in answer to your question, um, you know, we've seen school districts across the country really since the 1990s um, increasingly adopt punitive discipline policies, um, and they're policies that really rely on exclusionary discipline, which is uh, suspensions, expulsions, placement in alternative schools, and school-based arrest to punish misbehavior. Those were the kind of policies that we saw when we um, first went into Meridian and um, began to review their discipline practices. Um, research has shown that rather than make schools safer and deter misconduct, as schools assume that these policies will do, um, the policies actually result in more suspensions and more expulsions for many times uh, for minor offenses. Um, and what it also does is increase the likelihood that a student will drop out of school, uh, that they won't go to college, that they won't gain employment, and also that they're more likely to end up in prison, and that's really what the school-to-prison pipeline is, and those were the kind of policies that we saw in Meridian. Mm -hmm. 
Right. Um, Zoe, I wonder if you would tell us about some of the specifics. What did you see in Meridian? What were the specific complaints that you heard from students and from community members about student discipline in the district? Of course. Uh, to, to explain what we found, it's important to, to walk through how we learned about the issues in Meridian. As, as I noted earlier, this new consent decree is part of the desegregation case from 1965. The Department of Justice has around 200 desegregation cases across the country, and we often initiate case reviews in these kinds of longstanding matters. In Meridian, we began that case review in 2008. And then in 2010, we received new complaints from black parents, students, and other community members in Meridian alleging that the district was implementing harsh and punitive student discipline policies. These students, parents, and community members told us that student discipline policies in Meridian were resulting in the overuse of suspension, expulsion, and school-based arrest of black students, often for minor offenses or rule violations, such as defiance, disrespect, or dress code violations. From the complaints we heard, students were being suspended, expelled, or even arrested for school uniform violations, talking back to teachers, or showing what was called disrespect just by laughing in class. The Justice Department then spent two years investigating these allegations. The investigation included visiting Meridian, holding over half a dozen meetings attended by hundreds of community members, conducting private interviews with dozens of parents and students, touring all of the district schools, interviewing all of the principals, and interviewing the superintendent and the chief of the school police. And the, the Justice Department also conducted formal discovery, including the review of tens of thousands of pages of documents that the district had produced to us, and conducting what are called 30B6 depositions, or depositions of school district personnel. I think, you know, it's an important point to make is that um, the some of the allegations were that children were acting in a completely developmentally appropriate way and being disciplined for that um, behavior, or that they were um, engaged in behavior that really didn't violate any kind of um, objective criteria um, and, and were being penalized. You know, Ryan, a lot of people assume that disproportionate exclusionary discipline happens because black students just misbehave more frequently than white students, although there is research to the contrary. How would you respond to that based on your investigation of the Meridian School District? I, I think you're right that that's really a common response um, of some people to allegations and complaints of disproportionate discipline. Um, and I think, as you just said, the research really shows that that's just not true. Um, you know, Experts on racial disproportion, disproportionality um, have indicated that black students are more likely than white students to be referred to the office for problem behaviors um, and then receive harsher consequences once they are referred. It's not that they're, um, you know, they misbehave more frequently. They're just more likely to be referred for those uh, misbehaviors than white students. Um, similarly, in Meridian, we review the district's discipline data for three school years, um, starting with the 2009-2010 um, school year, 
Um, and we concluded that black students frequently received harsher disciplinary consequences, such as longer out-of-school suspensions for comparable misbehavior as white students, um, even where those black students and the white students were of similar ages, they attended the same school, and they had similar disciplinary histories. So, you know, the the, the data that we reviewed and, and, and made our conclusions based on really fit in with what um, experts are, are really saying about uh, race, racial disproportionality in, in student discipline. Well, you know, it, it is interesting, certainly from a, a social science perspective, and and to think about, um, you know, psychologically the impact on children. But you're lawyers, right? And so you have to think about this within the context of the law. Zoe, how did these these allegations amount to a violation of federal civil rights law? Uh, well, we we are indeed lawyers, um, <laughs> and uh, and as I as I mentioned earlier, in in desegregation cases. School districts under these kinds of court orders must take all steps necessary to eliminate the vestiges of their unconstitutional de jure system. And what that means is courts throughout the country, including within the Fifth Circuit where this case is located, have recognized for, for many years that discriminatory discipline practices may be a vestige of a segregated school system because such practices frustrate a district's ability to meet their desegregation obligations. School districts under desegregation orders, like Meridian, can't administer discipline in a manner that perpetuates or furthers the segregation of students on the basis of race, including by disproportionately excluding black students from school. And so, as, as Ryan mentioned, the Justice Department conducted an extensive review of Meridian's discipline data and practices. And through that review, we found significant racial disproportionality in disciplinary referrals and in exclusionary consequences, particularly for minor misbehavior. Specifically, black students in Meridian received significantly larger shares of discipline referrals than their proportion in district enrollment. And the majority of these referrals were for minor code violations like defiance or disobedience or disruption which are categories that rely on subjective interpretation. And racial disproportionality in referral was present at every misbehavior category except major non-subjective violations like referrals for drugs or, or weapons. And then going further, once a student was referred out of the classroom, black students were over three times more likely to receive a disciplinary consequence and specifically nearly five times more likely to receive an out-of-school suspension than white students. And black students often received longer and more severe consequences, even when such consequences were outside of the district's own discipline policy. As Ryan mentioned, these kinds of disparities persisted, even when the students were at the same school, were of similar ages, and, and had similar disciplinary histories. And these, these concerns are important for many reasons, not least because of, as, as Ryan mentioned, there are very real effects on students' lives. They not only make students feel unwelcome in their own schools and disrupt their academic experience, but have significant negative effects on their long-term well-being. We know from the social science that students who've been suspended are at a greater risk of educational failure, 
and of dropping out of school, and, and students who are suspended or expelled have an increased likelihood of being involved in the juvenile justice system. And so after years of collecting information and meeting with students and, and parents and meeting with community members and talking with the school district, we now have this very comprehensive, um, first-of-its-kind consent order. Ryan and Zoe, will you tell us what are, what are the key components of that consent order? Of, of course. So... Um, just before we get into discussing the, the specifics of the consent decree, uh, let me just start by saying that the, the school district should be commended for, for coming to the table here and taking such a huge step forward. We really are looking forward to continuing to work with the district to implement this decree over the next four years. And to, to explain what's in the consent decree, it's important to, to start by noting that in desegregation cases, the Supreme Court has long recognized that courts have broad authority to fashion remedies to address the vestiges of segregation to eliminate racial discrimination. So the Supreme Court has regularly encouraged school districts to adopt desegregation remedies that, that take into account the context and, and the history of a school district and so are, are carefully crafted to effectively address discrimination in a way that's really specific to that district's local needs. And so crafting that kind of specific and targeted remedy is, is what we did here. The decree addresses the areas of the district student discipline practices where we found that disparities exist in classroom management, in the student code of conduct, in alternative placement, in due process, in referral to law enforcement, and in training. So first, the, the decree requires the district to take steps to create safe and inclusive learning environments in, in all of its schools. They'll start this effort by scaling up their use of a behavior and discipline management system known as Positive Behavior Intervention and Supports, or PBIS, in all of the schools. And so P PBIS is, an, uh, is a proactive, school-wide approach to classroom management and student behavior. And how it works is it's a, it's a system of evidence-based strategies designed to assist school district personnel in establishing a positive school culture by constructively teaching school rules and, uh, and social-emotional skills to students, positively reinforcing appropriate student behavior, uh, using effective classroom management strategies to provide early intervention for misbehavior, and then developing a continuum of, of graduated and appropriate consequences for more serious misbehavior. And I'll, I'll turn it over now to, to Ryan to discuss the, the other parts of the order. Okay. Thank you, Zoe. Um, uh, part of what the district has to do in the order is they have to revise their student discipline code, um, and that is um, subject to our review and comment and approval. Um, the revised discipline code will include five levels of graduated infractions. And what that means is um, those graduated infractions carry with them a graduated level of consequences. Um, what that means practically for students in the school district is that there's really a limit on the number of offenses for which a student can receive exclusionary discipline. And those are exclusionary discipline, suspensions, expulsions, alternative placement is reserved for 
the most serious offenses, such as fighting resulting in serious injury or um, possession of drugs, um, but not for things such as dress code violations or tardiness or um, defiance of a teacher. Um, the revised code will also limit the number of days that a student can be suspended out of school. Um, it also will limit the number of days that a student can be placed in in-school suspension. It requires the school district to provide an opportunity for a student to complete his or her academic work while they are suspended um, and be to be able to take tests um, without penalty once they return from a um, suspension. There are also um, going to be modifications and changes to um, alternative school placement. Um, the district has to provide clear entry and exit criteria for a student. There's also a requirement that the district regularly review a student's performance in the alternative school. And if they are successfully meeting the requirements of the alternative school, the district should consider allowing the student to return back to uh, his or her regular school. Um, also, there, uh, along with clear entry and exit criteria, there's a requirement that the district provide a set number of days, um, you know, such as 30 days, for a student to be in the alternative school so that students aren't in the alternative school for an indefinite amount of time, um, that they actually know how long they're assigned there, and that after that period the district is providing a review of their performance. Also, in the alternative school, uh, they'll operate on the same academic calendar as uh, the regular school to make sure that a student who is placed in alternative school continues to make a successful performance towards obtaining um, his uh, diploma or, uh, you know, passing from one school grade to another. Also, we're requiring the district to uh, create uh, increased due process protections for students um, who are uh, proposed for suspension, expulsion, or alternative placement. For instance, um, when the district provides an opportunity for an informal hearing, it must also allow the student the opportunity to bring witnesses um, to testify on his or her behalf. Um, also requires the district to um, inform the student of the evidence that the district has um, against the student um, so that they will be able to defend themselves appropriately. We also provide set criteria that the hearing officer who is considering the, uh, the suspension or expulsion or alternative placement um, has to consider um, at that hearing. And finally, in terms of the due process protections, um, if it's found that no violation actually occurred, um, if the hearing officer uh, determines that, the student's records will be expunged so that the suspension or expulsion will not follow the student um, through the rest of his academic career and, and, you know, and prevent him from having the same opportunities as a student who maybe uh, did not get suspended. I mean, I'll, um, and, and I think now Zoe will tell you a little bit more about um, referral to law enforcement and um, our monitoring uh, of the order. Okay, great. Thanks, thanks, Ryan. Um, in terms of the the rest of the agreement, we also included measures to make schools 
into, into safe spaces. A safe school is a school where law enforcement officers can serve as educators and as role models and can focus on protecting students from serious threats rather than everyday minor misbehavior. So the consent decree requires training for law enforcement officers in schools so that they can have the tools and the supports that they need to address conflict and challenges as they arise, and it includes measures to prohibit school officials from involving law enforcement officers to respond to behavior that can be safely and, and appropriately handled under school disciplinary procedures. And then more, more broadly, the decree also requires training for teachers and administrators on using developmentally appropriate tiered prevention and intervention strategies before removing students from instruction and requires training for, for all relevant personnel, including teachers, administrators, and school resource officers on all of the revised policies and procedures. And then finally, the, the decree requires that the district monitor its discipline data to identify and then respond in a constructive way to, to any racial disparities. That is really um, incredible, and I think the level of detail is really just um, phenomenal. So, yes, kudos to you and kudos to the school district for, um, you know, agreeing to uh, be subject to, to this consent order and to revise its practices and policies in this way. Um, I think that, you know, it can't be stated enough that the community and specifically the students made this happen, right? So, um, you know, DOJ, you guys have a national practice and you're all over the country, but to know kind of the level of detail necessary for a an agreement like this, you have to uh, rely on local communities. Ryan, just how crucial were the students and families and community members to resolution of the discipline issues in the district? They were absolutely crucial, and I think you're absolutely right, Allison. Um, this agreement is comprehensive only because of all of the stories and all of the information that we were able to gain from community members throughout the district. Um, really, it helped us to learn um, the district's discipline practices um, through the community members. Um, I, you know, one story I, I think you'll remember, Allison, um, when I first, um, you know, when I first joined the case um, with you, and we attended a community meeting in Meridian. I really was amazed at how many people were at the community meeting and how many of them were united around ending disproportionate discipline practices in this small community. Um, you know. Whenever we conduct an investigation, um, we rely on community members to provide us with factual information about the community um, and to provide us with any you know concerns that they have about district operations. As Zoe said, in, in Meridian, we attended over half a dozen uh, community meetings, um, and there were hundreds of community members there. You know, we went into you know we had private interviews with with dozens of parents after those meetings, um, and you know, we really owe our gratitude to the citizens of Meridian. They opened up their homes, their churches, their offices to us, I mean, and they shared very personal, 
often very painful stories about their experiences in the Meridian School District. And if it really was not for that community um, voice, we would not have uh, as comprehensive an agreement as we have now. I think that is a very empowering message for communities all over the country. Um, Zoe, what does that mean to you and and to the department about um, what students and and community members all over the nation who want to report student discipline issues in their schools can do? Um, Well, thank you, Allison. I I think in terms of what we hope the the consent decree will will do, um, let me start by saying again that the this school district has taken really a, a big and, and positive step here by agreeing to the measures in this decree. And we hope that, that other school districts will also take this step and that Meridian will be a, a lodestar for, for other school districts seeking to reform their discipline practices so that they will start to engage rather than exclude this generation and, and frankly, future generations of school children. Because in in Meridian and and elsewhere across the country, the impact of exclusionary discipline policies is not felt equally. Across the country, students of color are receiving different and more severe punishment than white students for the same or similar infractions. Students should feel feel welcome at the the front door of their schools and should not be pushed out the back door of their schools because of their race, their ethnicity, their disability, their language status, their sex, their religion, or, or any other discriminatory basis. And and specifically for Meridian, we really hope that this decree will be the first step towards ensuring that its schools are, are safe and welcoming to all students and that education is a is a road to success and not a pipeline to prison. So we hope that the the decree will make Meridian schools better places for the children who attend them. We hope that the decree will will help the students of Meridian feel like the schools are are their schools, that Meridian is the kind of school district where all kids get a fair shot and that students in need get a helping hand. We hope that the decree will make Meridian the kind of place where students can, can learn together and work together and play together and and laugh together and, and feel safe and included together. Because as, as both of you mentioned, we were so lucky to have been greeted in Meridian by a community that is so passionate and so brave and so dedicated to making sure that all students have an equal opportunity to learn. They spoke up when, when many others would have remained silent. And they were not afraid and they knew that the children of Meridian deserved better and they pushed long and hard to bring justice to that city. And they've been waiting a long time. We hope that this decree is a turning point. We hope it means that the, the wait for justice for Meridian students is, is finally over. Wow. Well, I am um, totally encouraged and very excited. Um, I am very hopeful that this will empower community members um, all over this great country of ours to to step forward on behalf of their children and seek the remedies that you all were able to put in place there in Meridian. Um, so for both of you, what is your hope for what this agreement will do? 
Well, I, you know, as Zoe Zoe really summed it up, what we're what we're hoping, you know, I, I I can't say enough about the the district and their willingness to sit down at the table and um, engage with us and try to develop a solution. You know, they have referred to this agreement as a significant sea change in how they discipline their students, and really, that's what we hope. We hope that they will. Uh, that these policies will result in, you know, practically will limit the number of days that students are out of the classroom and away from learning, um, and in long term, really, that it will improve educational opportunities for students throughout the district, that there will be more students who are able to, to go on to college if they choose or go into careers um, if that's what they decide to do, um, and that they don't have, uh, they're not denied opportunities simply because of suspensions and expulsions for really minor misbehaviors. Um, and, and really that, you know, as Zoe said, that this will really be a blueprint to other school districts um, who seek to end these school-to-prison pipeline issues in their school district. Wonderful. Zoe Savitsky and Ryan Wilson are trial attorneys for the United States Department of Justice, Civil Rights Division, Educational Opportunity Section. You can find more information about the section, including contact information, at www.usdoj.gov slash CRT slash EDO. Thank you both for joining us. Thank you so much, Allison. Thank you, Allison. You are now officially certified know-it-alls on the Department of Justice's agreement with the Meridian Mississippi Public School District to end discriminatory student discipline practices there. Remember to follow Know-It-All, the ABCs of Education, on Blog Talk Radio. Follow me at Allison R. Brown on Twitter. Find ABC on Facebook. And read my blog at AllisonBrownConsulting.com. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful week. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.